With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We have a podcast. Diving, diving deep, deep, diving deep into all things Texas, both on and off the field. Here's Sean Pendergast and Pro Football Hall of Famer, the General Sean McClain. Welcome, welcome to Utopia. Hey everybody, welcome in. It is the Utopia Football Podcast. It's a Tuesday edition. That means it's a mailbag edition of the podcast, and we are still buzzing in Houston after the scintillating performance from C.J. Stroud on Sunday against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a 39-37 win that has really, uh, I don't say changed the trajectory of anything with this team, but it certainly has put them in some much more interesting conversations uh, the last few days than they've been in in quite some time. And we're going to talk about that. We're going to get to your mailbag questions as well. We'll do some general news and notes. Speaking of which, let's uh, let's do the introductions here. I'm Sean Pendergast, one half of Payne and Pendergast. Sports Radio 610, mornings, 6, 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. You can download the Odyssey app to listen to that. Uh, joined, as always, by my good friend, the Hall of Famer, and our senior columnist at SportsRadio610.com, John McClain. John, how are you? I'm doing great, John. I can't wait till Thursday when we get to interview the, the coordinators. And I want to ask Bobby Slowick a couple of questions because he had a great game. How do they go from the worst game against the Panthers to their best game? against the Buccaneers, and uh, I want to ask him if that play in which Singletary pitched the ball to Stroud, he ran for 10 yards, when did he draw that up? Because they can't run the ball, and they got to do things like that and give it to Xavier Hutchinson to muster anything. And see, the other thing is when Stroud sat on the touchdown pass to Tank Dell and won the game, say he drew it up on the sideline. Well, I don't think they do that anymore. I think he said they hadn't used it since training camp. Why that time did uh, he decide to do that? So a lot of interesting questions to ask uh, Bobby Slowick. Yeah, no doubt. John, what do you think? Let's 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 play the prediction game here. Do you think that was a designed option play that CJ ended up carrying the ball for 10 yards? Or do you think that was an improv? Well, I think it was designed because why would Stroud have given it to him and then trailed him like that? Usually he gives the ball off. He's back there getting ready in the huddle for the next huddle, and he trailed him like he was waiting for the pitch. Now, if 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 we forgot to ask Stroud about it after the game. No, he talked about it after the game, but he didn't say whether it was called or not. Okay. And uh, we'll have him Wednesday, slow Thursday, so we'll find out more about it, whether it was designed or not, but it worked. For 10, 10 yards, I've been wanting him to run more. That's not exactly what I had in mind. No, I, yeah, I it certainly worked. Uh, 
Yeah, I, I don't know how I feel. If it's designed, I, John, I don't know what I want the answer to be. Because if Bobby Sloak is designing plays where C.J. Stroud is a pitch man on an option, I, I, I ain't liking that. I, I, I want C.J. Stroud to be exposed to fewer hits, not more hits. You know what exactly. I mean? Exactly. Unless the whole play was designed for him to run out of bounds. Maybe, yeah. And 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 so we'll find out. Well, actually, we may not find out. If it's, you know, if it's a design play, they may not want to tell us if it was designed or not. You know, they why give the answer when there's probably – uh, a Cincinnati room full of defensive guys that wondering the same thing, you know, why, why give up that answer? I bet you before the season's over, they'll run it again, but Singletary will fake the pitch and cut up or Pierce, whoever's going to do it and cut up and see if they can get yards that way. You know, that's reaching deep into a bag of tricks because you're so pathetic running the ball. Yeah. So John, um, I guess the big story now, now that the, you know, the smoke is off of the wind from Sunday against the bucks and we're on to Cincinnati. Um, I guess the big story now is just how banged up this team is. You know, Jimmy Ward left the game with a hamstring injury. Um, MJ Stewart left the very next play safety uh, with a shoulder injury. Um, uh, Hassan Ridgeway's out for the season with an Achilles injury. It was deemed an ankle injury during the game. It's an Achilles injury. He's done for the season. Uh, John Mechie left the game. Jake Hansen left the game. Will Anderson actually late in the game. He probably left the game too late in the game to, uh, for us to get an update on it up in the press box, but he didn't play. For the last couple minutes of that game, Andrew Beck went out in that game. Kaimi Fairbairn was replaced by Dario Gumbawale. I mean, we're talking about seven or eight guys that that ended up leaving that game and not coming back. I guess uh, the, we should mention they signed Matt Amendola, place kicker today. Kaimi's going to be out for a few weeks. It doesn't seem like it's an injured reserve situation. They're signing Amendola to the practice squad, and they can elevate him a handful of times over these next few weeks. But that quad injury is expected to keep Kaimi out for a spell here of all these injuries, John, which one is the most concerning to you? Fairbairn kickers win games. You know, other position players can be replaced as they've done all season, but your kicker, when you rely on him to kick a 50 yarder, I still, I've watched it over and over and can't exactly see, see when it happened. Cause after the field goal, he's patting guys on the shoulder pads. They're patting him. He walks off normally. Next thing you know, He's headed to the locker room, and uh, and he's he's kicked very well. And yeah. what Dari Gumbawale did was extraordinary. But uh, Jimmy Ward's not going to be back for a while. You don't leave when the hamstring come back the next game. Yeah. You know, MJ Stewart's shoulders dangling beside him. He may not be back for the rest of the season. So I'm not sure about John Mechie. Truthfully, the wide receivers have been so good. They can afford guys like Mechie and Robert Woods. They lose them, and they keep playing great. But uh, Fairbairn, number one, Jimmy Ward, number two with me because Ward uh, sets the tone physically, and he's also a great leader during games and in practice and in the locker room. If it, John, if this were a I – get, I, I get everything you're saying. If this were a team that was wired or designed to win games like 17, 14, you know, 19 to 16, things like that, I would be more concerned about Kaimi's injury. I mean, look, they're going to have a real kicker kicking, so it won't be Dario Gumbawale like it was in the second half of the Bucks game. Whoever it is, it's not going to be as good as Kaimi Fairbairn, but uh, but I think it's going to be somebody capable of kicking, you know, normal average NFL field goals. I, I actually kind of like the fact that if you're working with a backup kicker, that there's a more likely chance that the Texans will be a little more aggressive offensively on things like fourth down 
um, maybe aggressive down in the red zone things. The, the way I don't not to the extent that they were going for it on fourth and goal at the nine uh, against which, by the way, they scored a touchdown um, against the Bucks. But I, I just think stylistically, this team is not one that I think I'm oh, I, I'm concerned about losing Kymie Fairbairn. But I'm just doing the comparison with Ward. You and I have the same top two. It's Ward and Fairbairn. But Ward is the number one is the number one one for me because I think the drop off from Jimmy Ward, especially now that MJ Stewart is out as well, to whoever they have, I guess it'll be this DeAndre Houston Carson who actually played okay on Sunday. I think the drop-off is bigger there, John, and you look at the opponents they have coming up with Joe Burrow and that receiving core this week in Cincinnati. Um, Kyler Murray, it looks like he's going to be back for that game against Arizona here. Trevor Lawrence and the Jags coming up. I mean, granted, these games that I'm saying are in NRG, but still those are good quarterbacks. Um, and even Russell Wilson has played pretty well this year. It's gone unnoticed because the Denver Broncos have still been a bad football team, but he's been okay this year. Those are their next four games. So I, I'm losing Jimmy Ward and his leadership at safety and just losing bodies at safety at this point. They're without Eric Murray, too. He went on injured reserve weeks ago. So they're down to guys that they pulled off the street playing safety. So for me, it's Jimmy Ward one, Kaimi two. So we got the same thing. We just have – we exact a box them, John. You and I have the same two, but we have to have them in multiple orders there. And they cut Graylon Arnold last week, and Graylon Arnold had been playing a lot when MJ Stewart and Jimmy – was Jimmy Ward, who else was out? Oh, Jalen Petrie was out. They were missing both yeah. of them at one point. Early and, in the season. Uh, and Graylon Arnold got to play a lot. He even played some slot corner with the corners out. I wonder if Derek Stingley Jr. We don't ever talk about the guy. It's, it's starting to get, I don't know, anger, disappointment, or what, that the guy is still out. Yeah. And he was missed all those games last year. That could go down to be one of the worst picks in the history of the draft to use that pick on Derek Stanley Jr., even though he hadn't been healthy since his freshman year, and right now he's contributing jack. You So, wow, but John, that's a strong uh, opinion. One of the worst picks in the history of the draft. Is part of you saying that, the fact that Sauce Gardner went right after him? Is that Could have had Sauce Gardner, but also the fact that he took him when he'd been hurt his yeah. whole career after his freshman year. Now he's been hurt for two seasons. It contributes nothing. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. All right, so now hopefully injured. he'll come back, get in the lineup, stay in the lineup, and help this team keep winning. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, so the injuries of the story here that'll be Wednesday's D'Amico Ryan's press conference. I think is going to be highly anticipated. Just and the injury report itself coming out as to where these guys, uh, where these guys are at. Um, I would imagine tomorrow, John, we're going to be hearing that C.J. Stroud was named the offensive player of the week in the AFC. I would be shocked if he wasn't. Four hundred seventy yards passing and five touchdowns. I was joking with uh, Texans PR. I was texting with Omar. I said, you guys already got the press release all written up, right? For CJ, it's, it comes out, I think, at 11 o'clock on Wednesday. So would you? I, I would be stunned if there's – I didn't see any other performances out there remotely close to that this week. I taped every national show I'd give my hands on, and it was amazing how far down Stroud and the Texans were to the other games like Buffalo, Cincinnati, Philadelphia, of course, and the Cowboys got – most of the attention, even Josh Dobbs got more attention. Well, even the Raiders, because they they fired Josh McDaniels and then went out and just took the Giants to the woodshed, you know, that, that even that was getting bumped up above C.J. Stroud a little bit. Um, well, in some one of these thing, shows. They also have, I think, don't they have rookies as well as veterans? He could win both. And yeah. there's, a Fed, there's a FedEx, uh, I can't remember what, there's several FedEx awards. Yeah. Air, ground, and yeah. something else. Yeah. He should win that as well. What I don't want to see, and Joe Burrow played great, yeah. but he's given it to Joe Burrow over Stroud. 
Yeah. I think the rookie award, John, is just monthly. Uh, it? It's just monthly. Yeah. Which, by the way, I don't know if it's come out for October yet, but I would imagine uh, it's probably either CJ Stroud or Puka Nakua, I'm guessing, in the month of October. And, and CJ, I think CJ would have to get abducted by aliens probably to not win it in November just with this one game that he put up here. No so kidding. We'll see what happens. All right, John, let's do general news and notes. John, you bring a bring some nuggets to the table here, and uh, we opine on them. General news and notes from John McClain. Go. Our buddy Jimmy Shapiro from uh, betonline.ag, mm-hmm. he sends out odds all the time, and I, and I look at them to see if the Texans are in any of them. And when it comes to offensive rookie of the year, uh, yeah. Puka Nakua is not even in the top three anymore. Yeah. And thing is, Watson's running – Watson. C.J. Stroud is running away with it, of course. And I think the only thing to keep him from winning it is if he gets injured, better knock on wood. So last week the top coaches were Dan Campbell from Detroit, Mike McDaniel from Miami, and D'Amico Ryans. Well, guess who's number two now? D'Amico, D'Amico. Ryans. Yeah. Mike McDaniels lost another game. I saw things, Sean, in a national publication that I respect, and the guy picked Mike McDaniel for the coach anyway. And I'm thinking, my God, he hadn't beaten a team with a winning record. Give me Dan, Dan Campbell any day of the week at 6-2. and two. But D'Amico is on the rise. And if they somehow shock the world, shock and awe, beating the Bengals, all of a sudden there's a good chance he might – Vault up to number one. Oh, yeah. Where are you on that, John? Are you still guaranteeing a victory for the Bengals this weekend? Oh, yeah, sure. Okay. All right. Just checking. I mean, the spread's People only forget. six and a half. Texans are coming off their worst game of the season, got beat by the stinking Panthers. Now they play yeah. a great game and beat the Bucks, who had lost three in a row. And I'm not trying to, to denigrate it in any way, but they're moving up a weight class right now. No, they are. They are. They're going and, up, and up. super heavyweights. Yeah, they're banged up. Like I don't know, I, I I don't know that we necessarily like learned anything about the Texans in that win over the Bucks, other than that they're a pretty resilient team, and that CJ does CJ you know has that gene where he can go down and get you points at the end of the game. But we saw him do that against Atlanta. You know, it's just that they, they left too much time for for Desmond Ritter. I mean, that sounds silly to say they left they left too much time for Desmond Ritter, who might be losing his job. Um, but, uh, okay. I was just checking to make sure you were still guaranteeing a Cincinnati victory over the Texans. I'm not guaranteeing. I'm just picking and, uh, guaranteed it earlier. I haven't said the word guaranteeing with the Texans and Bengals. I said, I think they're going to beat. I I believe they'll beat them. I predicted they'll beat them. Uh, I've never, I've never done a guarantee on anything because I've seen too many people do it and have it blow up in their faces. Um, Next time they're on the road against a bad team like Atlanta and Carolina, let them score a touchdown. Make sure that uh, Stroud gets at least 46 seconds left That's for a it. chance to take him the distance. There you go. What's your next note, John? Um, and this one, there's several involving Stroud that have just blown me away. Yeah, let's do them. Going back to 1937, there's been only six rookie quarterbacks throw five touchdown passes. Think of all the quarterbacks that have been in the NFL since – 1937, yeah. and guess which teams had two of them? Yeah, yeah, the Texans, Deshaun Watson and C.J. Stroud. Yep. They did, Watson in 17, and then, of course, Stroud on Sunday. But that when I see these things go way back, it just blows me away. How many? How many did you say? Six rookie quarterbacks since okay. 1937 have thrown since, for five. Since 1937. Who's the 
Who, who are, okay, do you have all the names in front no, of you? No, I don't have the others. Oh, okay, okay. I was going to try to guess the other. I was going to see if I could guess any of the other four. Well, I'll let you guess this one. Okay. Um, Stroud threw for 470 yards and five touchdowns, only and without an interception. Only two yeah. other quarterbacks have done that, and I'll tell you the years. First one was 1962. The mm-hmm. next one was 2014. Mm-hmm. One is in the Hall of Fame, and the other one, will be in the Hall of Fame. 470 yards, five touchdowns without an interception. In 1962, I'm going to say Y.A. Tittle. Oh, you already saw it. No, I, I, I remember seeing highlights of that game on YouTube. Uh, you're right on uh, that seven one. Seven years that ago. Second yeah. one ought to be easier, 2014. Yeah, that's uh, that would be Ben Roethlisberger. You got uh, it. Yeah. Boy, I wish I, I had I, a prize I, for you. <laughs> well, I've... John, I've consumed so much C.J. Stroud content in the last 48 hours. My head is spinning. I've watched the game-winning touchdown to Tank Dell no fewer than about 500 times in the last two days just because it was so exciting. To me, the better pass was the sideline route yeah, in which he threw it perfectly, even more perfectly than he did the first touchdown pass to Dell. It was it was just amazing. His accuracy. I asked Amico on Monday, what is the one thing that stood out after watching the tape more than anything else? He goes, the accuracy. Yeah. He said yeah, stopping you know, it, freeze framing it, and watching it all over again, he said just shows you it's even more special. And he had a bad first quarter. He missed Tank a few times early he in that did. game. And he still came back and, and put up almost 500 yards. He's He's ridiculous. All right, give I me saw more, a thing last, last week that he had been off target on his com- incompletion second most in the league, however they measure that, okay. which doesn't sound right. Okay, we know that Dari Gumbawale, who uh, kicked a 29-yard field goal, the last – I already know you'll know this one. The last person to do that for a non-kicker was a former – Texans assistant coach in 2004, 20 years ago. Yep. Wes Welker. And you got it. His rookie year in Miami. And John, I believe I'm not mistaken. And if I'm stealing your thunder, I'm sorry. I believe he became in that game. He became the first player in forever to return a kick, return a punt, kick a kick an extra point and do like two other things in that game, like make a tackle or so like this yeah, is Rex. I this forgot is, about that. And this, he did it at new England. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is, well, he, no, he was with Miami. That was his rookie. Year, he was with Miami and he did it in new England. He did. Yeah. Okay. So he the game was in new England. Yeah. Okay. So he, yeah. So it was, no, but it was Wes Welker is the answer. Right, to that one. Right. Yep. 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 Yeah. Ironic that it was going to be with his next team that gave up a second round pick for him after he was undrafted coming out. Of Texas Tech. Yep, absolutely. I like this, John. General news and notes where you quiz me and I see if I've been paying attention the last two. All right, I got one more for you. Okay, let's go. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. C.J. Stroud is on a pace for 30 touchdown passes, 2.1 interceptions, <laughs> and 4,824 yards. Yeah. 
he could set the team's all-time record, breaking the record of. <laughs> You're talking about total no, yardage? That, yeah, the Texans' total yardage record. I think it's Deshaun, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Well, I mean, but Schaub had a couple of years that were, I mean, I, I, Matt he had Schaub. 4,000 yards, but he wasn't pushing five like Watson was. I think I think Schaub's best year was like 4,700 in 2009, I want to say. He, he might he have was, been. Yeah. I mean, if right he, now, if he, he's, he's on a pace to uh, come really close to challenging Watson for that. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's – think he gets there, John? No, I think we'll see more. Even though they don't play a lot of great teams, they do play some good defenses, and I think that they will do everything they can to keep him from making explosive plays. He had eight of those. After after complaining that he won more explosive plays, Yeah, wonder what happened if he asked for like a – a new Ferrari this week. They're going to give it to him. They probably should. He earned it. John, Matt Schaub, 2009, led the NFL in passing yards with 4,770. He was close. He was close. But that, you know what the thing was, John? That was on a, that was on the Texans team in 2009 that went 9-7 and seven but didn't make the playoffs. Um, so that's it's not one of the more memorable Texans teams. But he was great that year. Wasn't, that was year but he, he had Andre Johnson. We're right up there with Peyton Manning and Reggie Wayne. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you got anything else, John? Oh, I got a million of them if you want this to keep going on. Okay, do one more. Do one more. Then we'll do the mailbag. The uh, Texans had uh, 496 yards in this game. Those are most since 2019 when they uh, made the playoffs mm-hmm. for the last time. And what makes it interesting yep. is that game. You know, the running game is awful. They had no running game. So, yeah, uh, you can't win consistently and run the ball as bad as the Texans do. But still, I think that was pretty impressive. They were able to pull that off. And uh, <laughs> according – here's two other stats, one stat that blew me away. In the second half, we're talking about him not being that good in the first, and he wasn't. Starting with that 75-yard touchdown pass to Noah Brown, in the second half, he was 15 of 19 for 313 yards, four touchdowns, and perfect 158.3 rating. And according John, to next was, in stats, yep. hang on, he yep. air yards where he threw the ball at least 20 yards in the air, you know, no yep. dumping it off to a back or a quick screen. He was six of eight for 199 yards and three touchdowns. Yeah. I mean, he – John, that 158.3 passer rating, the perfect passer rating, uh, the the you know the, the highest passer rating you can have by the NFL formula. He was perfect on first down in this game. He was perfect in the second half of this game, and he was perfect on the final drive of this game to get the game-winning touchdown. I mean, that's I like first down. Throw the ball yeah. on first down more. Six, Sixteen and nineteen for I don't know, like you know, like two hundred yards, something, some ridiculous number. So, um, well, good. General news and notes, John. Great job. You ready to answer some mailbag questions? Let's do it. All right, let's do it. H-O-U mailbag at gmail.com. H-O-U mailbag at gmail.com. Let's uh, start. We'll start with our guy, Dave Howard, up in Round Rock there. Uh, Dave, we appreciate you listening. Said, while I was thrilled by the Texans win on Sunday, I'm concerned that for the third week in a row, the Texans defense has given up the lead on the opponent's last drive. What do you think is the issue? Dave, I think you'd complain about a pimple on Halle Berry after a game yeah, like so that. John knows Dave personally. It's I haven't heard anybody complaining about anything after that victory. But the fact is, defense played terrible. 
They were losing players right and left. Uh, they got great pressure on Baker Mayfield, and he avoided. He did a great job, like a shifty veteran would, of getting away from it. And they they struggled in pass coverage. And but the two games that they lost, and they couldn't stop them on the last series. Defense played great, except for that. This was worse. This game was worse than uh, any game they played this year, including the opener at Baltimore. Yeah, I, I, as far as what the issue is, I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, the, there were all kinds. I, I would submit against Tampa Bay, a lot of it was – I mean, they were just super banged up. You know, they – and that was kind of the flow of that game too. Both teams were playing really good offensively in that second half. It was just sometimes games take on a vibe, John, you know, where I think both defenses realize we're paddling upstream here. All right, I thought Joe you were going to say they can't cover the tight end. They well, they can't that and and that too. They can't cover the tight end. They're, you're right. They can't. Henry Toa Toa only played a handful of snaps in that game, and yet I feel like he played the whole game because it looked like every time Kate Otten was catching it, Henry Toa Toa was standing near him. Toa Toa is really struggling pass protection. Yep. Um, let's see, Joe Q. Joe Q sends in a question, and he says, should Texan fans be disappointed in Casario that Davis Mills and Case Keenum are still on this roster? Everyone's hope is neither takes a snap this season, yet there's a lot of teams giving snaps to players with much less experience and accomplishment than either of our backups. And he lists a few of them, Jalen Hall, Aiden O'Connell, Tyson Badgett, Tommy DeVito, Clayton Toon. And the Chargers are one awkward snap or sack away from Easton Stick, who has one career pass attempt. Uh, how do you feel, John, that that Nick didn't flip either of these quarterbacks at the trade deadline for something? I think that is one of the dumbest questions I've ever heard. If Justin yeah. Herbert's one one sack from being out, so is C.J. Stroud. I'm glad he hung on to him. The unsung hero, and I'm going to write a column about this, behind the scenes with C.J. Stroud's development is Case Keenum. Yeah. Watching the game the other day when I went back and watched the, the replay, Several times he was on the bench talking to him. So they they brought him in here to help coach him, be available if they needed. I wouldn't have traded Mills because if this team is competing for a wild card berth, maybe a division title, and Stroud has to go out, having Davis Mills there as a two-year starter, I think would be good. I think I'd rather start Case in a have-to-have-it game, John, if you want to know the truth. You and I have had this conversation before, I think. like, if, I know Case is the emergency guy, and it would be Davis probably just based on the depth chart, but I'm not so sure if it was week 18, something happened to CJ, and they got to win this game to get into the postseason. I'm not so sure I don't feel better with Case Keenum playing quarterback than Davis Mills in that, in that situation. They had to win a game last year, last game of the season, to get C.J. Stroud, and Mills had a comeback <laughs> victory. They and he threw a two-point conversion pass. We all thought they had to lose to make that sure game. they were going to get Stroud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's funny. That is funny. Mr. Clutch. Right. Yeah, yeah, big time. Yeah, Mr. Clutch went and got his replacement. <laughs> all right, let's, uh, let's keep it moving. Uh, Ryan Fish sends this in given it's the midpoint of the season and all cj has accomplished so far i'd like you to revisit a question see the email chain below and i'll lay out what he emailed to us earlier in the season he said i sent this to you earlier in the season and see if your perspectives have changed i was a little audacious to compare cj stroud to aaron Rodgers of the past at that point in time how do you feel now he's got a follow-up question to that john but i guess he was comparing cj to aaron Rodgers earlier in the year ryan was and we were probably understandably going, Hey, you may want to slow down on that a little bit. I'm not saying he's Aaron Rodgers or anything like that, but uh, I, I feel, 
Where do you feel he is right now in the NFL, John? Like if you power well, first rank of the all, 32, yeah. Aaron Rodgers didn't play his first three years. Comparing yeah. him to Rodgers is ridiculous. Yeah. He's had one fantastic game. He yeah. was coming out three mediocre games in a row. All of a sudden, everybody thinks he's going to be MVP. Defensive coordinators adjust, and they had adjusted to him over these, let's say, three over the last four games. His ratings had gone down. Everything had gone down. And now he has the great game. They'll adjust again. Can Bobby Slowick adjust? Can he continue to put Stroud out there with no running game and continue to have those kind of games? Rodgers is first ballot Hall of Famer. Stroud doesn't even deserve to be mentioned in the same sentence with Aaron Rodgers. Um, who, John, who is your comp, just like in terms of the style of the game that CJ plays? Like who Deshaun do you Watson. When I was watching really? that game in the replay, some of the moves he made, they're built the same. And uh, everything he does reminds me of Watson. Wow. Okay. I mean, I guess physically I can kind of see that. Like similar. I'm talking about the way he throws the ball. Watson runs more. But he can get away. He could run if he wanted to. Yeah. But he wants to complete passes. Mm. Uh, Are you concerned that Will Anderson is becoming the next Jadeveon Clowney? In other words, not getting sacks, but being solid in the run game. After, let's see, eight games, J.J. Watt had five and a half. Whoever sent that question would be asked if we're concerned about this Watt guy that at this point of his career didn't have many sacks. Absolutely not. Okay. well, I mean, He's one of the top guys in the league at getting pressure. Yeah. He's got to seal the deal. He gets double t- team most of the time. And, uh, and Clowney was never a great pass rusher. Clowney was always run stopper first. Pass rusher second. That's the way his career's been. I'm going to stick up for the people who have early concerns about Will Anderson. I agree with you, John. I think Will Anderson's going to be fine. I'm going to stick up for these people from this respect. This is where the comparison to J.J. Watt falls apart a little bit for me. They didn't trade up to get J.J. Watt. Like, they didn't give up next year's first and a second the same year and another pick to move up to three and get J.J. Watt. Like, Will Anderson is coming in here with a whole lot of at pressure may not be the right word, but he he's coming in with a lot of fanfare and they've invested a ton to have Will Anderson on this football team. So I think people are going to be understandably, maybe a little anxious until he starts routinely bringing the quarterback to the ground. I can't think it's preposterous to try to make judgments on somebody after eight games. Yeah. Content is King though, John, just so you know, uh, Charles Honeycutt, do you believe the national media finally views Stroud as one of the best potential superstars now? From everyone here, yesterday's performance, meaning Sunday's performance, wasn't a shock, but only confirmation that he is that guy. What have you thought about the national coverage of C.J. Stroud kind of as it's gone on this season, John? It's been fabulous. I've read everything, NFL.com, ESPN, Athletic, The Ringer, uh, watched on TV. He is getting coast-to-coast recognition well-deserved i've listened i listened on nfl radio they were going on about him talking about do the panthers have buyer remorse of course they'll never admit it but of course they do at this point bryce young could end up in the hall of fame but right now stroud is running away with offensive rookie of the year and if he keeps his up and i'm not talking about throwing for five touchdowns and 470 yards but if he can come in you know, 260, 270, three touchdowns sometime, and the Texans are in a race, he's going to be mentioned. He's not going to win it, but he's going to be mentioned about a possible MVP if this team can put together a winning record. Because right now, everything revolves around him. He has no help on the running game. And he and before the season, 
we were all worried about their receivers. That was going to be their weakest group. They needed a big-time playmaker who could run. And right now, he's helping turn those receivers, making their careers, while the defense is struggling again. And uh, I'm saying right now, I bet their first-round draft choice, Cleveland's, will be a defensive lineman. Mm-hmm. Seeing what the 49ers are doing, continue to stockpile defensive linemen. I agree. The fact that they're not getting a lot of interior push. Yep. I bet it's a tackle. And by the way, Sean, I, I'm I'm really excited what Khalil Davis yeah. can do at tackle with more playing time. I agree. I agree. I think he's been great. I like the Hassan, I feel bad for Hassan Ridgeway. I wouldn't wish an Achilles injury on anybody. And they could certainly use Hassan Ridgeway. But if it means Khalil Davis gets some more snaps now, hey, let's go. They got to get Sheldon Rankins back. Obviously, you know, they're they're they, they're not tremendously deep really at any position. And so, but I'm I'm with you. Good. I'm glad you mentioned Khalil Davis, John. Absolutely. Um, all right, Dario sends this in. Said, thanks for the shout out in the previous episode. I'm not the superstitious type, but can't help noticing that I don't, I don't know if you noticed this, John. This is a said, I can't help noticing that all four losses this year have come with the white jerseys. Coincidentally, the one they wore week 18 against the Colts that gave us the number two pick that turned into C.J. Stroud. He goes on to say, is there some sort of white jersey god that gave us C.J. Stroud great. that now makes him lose every time he wears a white jersey? I hadn't noticed that, that uh, the Texans were uh, 0-4 in the whites this year. I remember the Battle Red game against Pittsburgh um, in week four, and I guess, I guess they must have they must have worn blue in Jacksonville that week. Did Jacksonville I guess white? if they're, if they're yeah. 0-4, I'm going to tell yeah. Cal McNair. Yes. I'm going to text Cal and Hannah. And yep. I'm going to say, do you know you guys are 0-4 in white? Yeah, yeah. Let them know. I don't know how much say they have. You know, like it, Who dictates the jerseys? The home team, John? I think the home team does. Okay. And if you want to do throwbacks, you got to go through the league. Gotcha. Okay. Dario says, keep up the great work. Muchas gracias. Thank you, Dario. We, we appreciate you. Uh, two, more, two, more, <laughs> two more, John. Here we go. Uh, Chris in the ATL, another loyal listener to the podcast. Like a sales team. Let's say D'Amico and the Texans were to give out a first half of the year bonus to the coach that made the most impact to the bottom line. Out of all of the coaches, and he says coordinators, assistants, anybody, who do you think deserves that bonus check the most for their work? That's Chris in the ATL. Will it be Bobby Slowick because he's the play caller and he's the one that devises the game plan. He's Gerard Johnson coaches him the most, but still I would say Slowick because he has so much influence over uh, what happens on Sunday is the offensive coordinator. Yeah, yeah. I think it's either Slowick or if you want to, if you want to make it very CJ specific, Gerard Johnson. Um, early in the year, I think we had a similar question, maybe like at the quarter of the season mark, and and I said Chris Strouser. I, I think too. when you and I were giving out our bye week awards, we did that assistant coach, and I said Strouser. Um, I'm I would back off of that now just because they've got, you know, they've got a lot of their pieces back, and it's still the running game has still been awful. Like it's really. It, it's, it's really hard to to give out plaudits to the offensive line right now. Even if the pass blocking has been decent, the run the run game's just been horrendous. Um, I can go with Slowick. I can get with that. Frank Ross, the special teams have dipped a little bit this year. Uh, the last two games they've dipped. Yeah, yeah. The last couple games have been leaky uh, in the uh, in the return in the co- return in the coverage game for the uh, for the Texans. One got called back because of a penalty, and that certainly helped him. It helped him big time. That was one of Darius' kickoffs in the second half. That's right. Uh, all right, last one, John, and this is from Johnny. Uh, when the Manning cast is available, what percent of the Monday night football game do you guys spend watching Peyton and Eli's feed? I started when it when it cranked it up. I watched it and then got tired of the guest. 
I want it to just be those two going back and forth. I don't give a rat's ass about their guests, so I don't watch it at all anymore. And I hate that because I think Peyton's great, and I think it takes away from it with bringing guests. Yeah, I I think it'd be awesome if they wanted to start a podcast where they have Arnold Schwarzenegger on the podcast. I might listen to that, but to be basically doing a podcast with somebody while there's a game going on that I would rather have your opinion. Like, yeah, I don't care about Joel McHale's opinion of what's going on in a football game. You know, like, you know, Snoop Dogg. Snoop Dogg's super entertaining. I don't need him there telling me what's happening on the screen. I'm John, you and I are 100% in lockstep on this. And I've been saying it since the beginning of the first year of the Manning cast is that no more get zero guests. In fact, I read an article, Peyton did an interview where I guess they, they last year they were a guest each quarter. They had four guests and somewhere along the way they went to three and they said they had a couple people cancel real late in the process and so they reduced it to two. They're like, yeah, what we learned was it was actually okay just to do two. I'm like, yeah, keep going. It'd be great just to do one, one next year. Yeah. And then you know what? Keep go- that, it's, it's not because you're at the optimal number. It's because there's fewer of them. Okay. So, yeah, think, I don't get Sean, that. They're trying to bring in guests besides football people like us who want them to stick to football and they're looking for entertainment. Yes. I, I mean, I, yeah, I think they're trying to broaden the audience. I think they're, I think they're looking for viral clips to, to go out there, which is how I consume the Manning cast. Now when it, you know, an entertaining 45 seconds of it'll show up on my Twitter feed. I, I think the other thing too, John, that the Manning cast that that's made the Manning cast a little stale or more, maybe not stale, but more of an afterthought for me is that the first year, the Manning cast, cause I think this is year three of the Manning cast. Um, the first year, the, regular announced team with Steve Levy, Lewis Riddick, and Brian Greasy. And that was just, that was a bad, that was a bad booth. It just, I mean, all due respect to all three of those guys that, you know, they, they all have their niche um, in the sports broadcasting world, but it wasn't a good watch. It wasn't entertaining. Um, it wasn't informative, you know, like it, it, you didn't feel like you were watching a big game. That's probably the biggest thing for me, like Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. I feel like I'm, I'm, I feel like this game matters because these two guys are on it. So I don't feel compelled to go watch the Manning cast. I feel like I don't need an alternative anymore. Back then, I felt like, all right, I just don't like this announced team. I'll watch Peyton and Eli. They might entertain me for a few minutes. If it was just them going back and forth, giving their opinion, needling each other, which they're yes. so good at, yeah. I would spend most of my time watching that. But you're right. And I want to see now, you know, we had a dog Monday night game. We got another dog Monday night game. I know and where I you're think going. The best thing that Aikman and Buck can do is just tell the truth, like yeah. Aikman does. If a guy like Zach Wilson deserves to be hammered, hammer him. Yep. Tell the yep. truth yep. because that's the only thing that's going to make those games watchable. Yeah, yeah. And tell the truth, but you don't have to do it like Rodney Harrison, where he's trying to goad Chris Jones into calling Zach Wilson trash. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like he's trash, though, right? Oh, no. Yeah. She's <laughs> trying to be respectful. Like, oh, no. Yeah, I know, but he's trash, right? Like that was That's embarrassing. Yeah, I don't know what unprofessional. that was. Unprofessional. Unprofessional. All right, hou mailbag at gmail.com if you want your question to be read on the next mailbag episode of the Utopia Football Podcast. So, John, we got a Thursday episode coming up this week to preview uh, the Cincinnati Bengals game. What do you got going on this week on SportsRadio610.com? I've got all CJ Stroud all the time. Got a column yesterday. Got another one today. And uh, the way I look at it, he's so hot. Right now, you can't do too much on him. And by the way, mm-hmm. congratulations to the Rockets for winning three in a row. Absolutely. You know, they're relevant again. 
Yeah. It's, it is interesting, John, like the, the Texans and the Rockets, like just the general trajectory of the team have, has, it's remarkable how similar it's been the last few years, you know, like James Harden and Deshaun Watson requesting a trade happened within like three days of each other, you know, and those were the linchpin guys for those teams, you know, descending teams at the time. They both asked out within about four days of each other. Now the, the, Obviously, the paths of both of those guys have been very, very different through the last few years. But as far as the franchises go, they both kind of bottomed out at the same time, started rebuilding a young nucleus of guys at the same time, you know, and now they're kind of they found their coach. Right. I think there's a lot of Ime Odoka and D'Amico Ryan similarities in terms of the respect level that they get and how they're viewed as young coaches in their respective games. And um, and now they seem to be kind of doing this at the same time. I guess that sounds like a good column idea. Thank you. You're welcome. Take it, John. Take it and run with it. The comparison of the Rockets and the Texans, who's further along in the rebuild? Who gets to the promised land first? Who does get to the promised land first, John? Rockets. I, the- I think even though there's a lot of playoff teams in the NBA, yeah. Rockets have been bad for three years. Texans have been bad for three years. And, boy, if the Rockets beat the Lakers on Wednesday, that'll be yeah. great for them. And expectations will be high just like they are for the Texans, and sometimes we forget they are teams that are still going to struggle. But I would think it's easier in the NFL than the NBA to actually get really good. Yeah, well, especially once you find that guy. Like, I don't know if the Rockets is going to be their, their foundational guy. Like, you know, people look at it and go, who's your best player? I think they think their best player is Jalen Green. Well, Jalen Green is light years away from being able to do the basketball equivalent of what C.J. Stroud just did right. on Sunday, yeah. you know? So – uh, that's good. Good topics. I like that. All right. HOU mailbag at gmail.com. If you want to email us, check out John on sportsradio610.com. John enjoyed it as always, my friend. Sean, thank you very much. All right. Good stuff. Big, big, uh, big ups to our producer, James Jackson, who gets this podcast out. Say a prayer for James. He's a Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan. Um, just, you know, he's, he's still feeling it right now and he's going to feel it for a long, long time, but we're rooting for them this weekend against the Tennessee Titans. So James, go get some work done or tell your team to go get some work done this weekend against the Tennessee Titans. Is that who they play, John, the Bucs? They play the Titans? Play the Titans in Tampa. Okay, well, let's see. Go go, go do work, Tampa. Go go do work. And uh, and, and say, say a little thought and prayer for uh, James, our producer. Does a great job getting the podcast out, even amidst his Bucks depression. Uh, hit that subscribe button, and uh, you'll get the podcast automatically to whatever device you listen to us on. And um, until then, we'll be back in a couple of days. Tell a friend. We appreciate you. And um, we'll see you in a couple days uh, for James, for John, for Sean. We're out of time. We'll see you on Thursday in the next episode of the Utopia.